We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? Good to be back, Nick. But uh, what's wrong with the Nets? <laughs> yeah. Three-game losing streak, you know, loss of the Bucks tonight, snapped their nine-game winning streak at home, 113-94. Not a lot of offense, not a great performance, but as always, you can check us out, iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube. But, Jack, there's just a lot going wrong. It's, you know, a combination of the injuries. You know, we had uh, Joe Harris out tonight, obviously Alan Crabb still out, Karis Avert, Jared Dudley. You know, it's just like the guys keep, you know, adding to the list, adding to the list. And all star breaks coming up. Everyone's kind of fatigued. Yeah, I mean it's it's that really um, bit, crucial point of the season, um, and especially for the Nets because we have this really tough stretch right now. You know, coming it doesn't get much easier before the All Star break. There's probably one or two gimme games, but even then, uh, with the way that the Nets are playing, I, I wouldn't you know put them down as a, as a solid W. So um, you know, just doing some pregame pieces for NetsRepublic.com just. It seems to me like the the issues that I've been pointing out, I just uh, haven't really been remedied. You know, the three point shooting. You know, with Joe Harris out, you know, we shot very poorly just by looking at the box score. Obviously, wasn't able to watch it. It was uh, pretty uh, terrible to say the least. And then, you know, outside of the Angelo Russell, who is you know an all star and is you know probably a, a easily our best uh, talented, most talented offensive player. But um, offense shooting, you know, who would have thought that? You know, this team who we talked about early in the season that, that we thought, you know, the offense would be fine and the defense would need lifting up, uh, that we just can't find offense. Yeah, the, you mentioned the shooting. The shooting has been absolutely terrible. Over the last two games, if I'm not mistaken, the Nets have shot 15 of 80 from the three-point line. You know, that's just not going to cut it. That's under 25%. Just terrible. And this is a team that was top 10 for most of the season and obviously during that streak they're very high but like you mentioned no Joe Harris no Alan Crabb guys are not creating shots without Spencer Dinwiddie we talked about this with Shabazz before he can score on his own but he's not really great creating for others 
five like three pointers, like five three pointers in a game <laughs> is is not gonna cut it. Like you know, James Harden gets those in a quarter. Steph Curry gets those in like five minutes. Um, it's not gonna cut it, and it's it's not gonna cut it against the best team in the NBA right now. You know, the opponent that we are up against. You know, we had to be on and on from the from the get go. And despite the fact that you know we were only down by six at, at the end of the first, um, you know, it was just a slog. And um, you know, finding offense is just going to be really tricky. You know, we're hoping that you know Karis Levert, and we'll chat about him later, and, and even Alan Crabb to a lesser extent, will be back sooner rather than later because you know you lose Joe Harris, and as important as he is, he's not you know an otherworldly offensive player. But um, I've talked about you know obviously he's he's my boy, but um, in terms of his worth to this team and his value to this team. Uh, a night like tonight proves how important, you know, any perimeter shooting, uh, let alone from one of the best ones in the league, really matters. Yeah, and I think that was a big issue tonight in the last two games. Even, you know, Harris has been kind of banged up with that hit for a couple games now. They're relying on a lot of guys who don't shoot a great percentage from three to knock down some threes. You know, is that Trevion Graham? Is that Rondé taking a three or two? Rodion's has been in a slump. You know, Damari Carroll's kind of hot and cold. Shabazz is hot and cold. D'Angelo's been pretty good this year. But other than that, like, without Joe Harris, without Alan Crabb, even Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, has been pretty consistent from three. It's just these guys aren't knocking down shots. Yeah, and then, I mean, it's it's a simple game of basketball. You know, you, you put the ball in the hoop and you hope you get the most points at the end of the game. And, um, I mean, it's it sounds sim- it's very simplistic, but the Nets just haven't been able to do that. And, you know, a lot of that do- does come down to the fact that the opponents that we've come up against, even Orlando, I think, is a very underrated defensive team and they match up well against us in terms of their size and such. But, um, you know, if you are a good offensive team, which the Nets generally are, and they have, you know, good offensive schemes that schematically they, they play the game right, um, it just doesn't seem that we're-, we're executing and we can't find anything. Jack, how much of it do you think is just the guys that are out there and like the injuries hindering the Nets or is it somewhat just them being in a slump or a combination of all of it or what are you thinking? Yeah, I think obviously it's always a combo, Nick. It's never one thing or the other. Um, If I'm going to put a percentage on it, um, I would probably say, you know, you've got these guys are NBA ready guys. They can hit threes. You know, it's it's the modern NBA. So I would say that, you know, 50% or more of it is on the guys out there right now, just not executing. Um, and despite the fact that, you know, you've got guys like Wanda Hollis, Jefferson, Damari Carroll, or and Theo Pinson playing minutes and, and, and whoever it might be, you expect them to step up, you know, because in, at other points in the season, during our winning streak, you know, we've had the same sort of injuries. You know, Spencer Dimity was probably the, the real turning point. Um, he is such a such a fulcrum to this team in so many different ways. But um, I think the guys need to execute better. You know, Coach Kenny said himself that he needs to to find ways as a coach. But um, for me, it, it generally comes down to the players executing, you know, what um, the coach wants to implement. And, you know, in terms of schematically, we're one of the, the most pleasant teams to watch. But um, that certainly hasn't been the case lately. Uh, what do you think it is, Nick? Is it more than one than the other or is it, you know, an even split? I think, like you said, Jack, it's a combination. I think it's a lot of health, though, because the Nets, you would probably say, have three really good creators. You know, D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert. 
Now you only have one with D'Angelo out there. It's easy for teams to kind of trap him and force the ball out of his hands. You know, Eric Bledsoe tonight did a great job of trying to prevent him from even getting touches. So that's something that teams are going to kind of go after. Then you're missing two of your best shooters in Crab and Harris. You know, I think your your numbers are going to drop. But like you said, I think the Nets also need to adjust a little bit more. This this squad's probably a little bit more defensive-minded with the guys they have to play right now. So you kind of turn that and maybe some fast break points, getting some transition points, kind of winning on the boards or something along those lines. I think they are just for shooting so many threes and they weren't knocking them down. And some of them are kind of forced. Like Shabazz took 10 threes, and I could tell you right now that at least four of them were like within the first five seconds of the shot clock. Yeah, and I mean, you know, D'Angelo took six, which for me is almost too little because he has been, you know, absolutely tremendous from the perimeter. And despite the fact that he only nailed two of them, that was still by far and above quite easily the, the best player from the perimeter tonight for us. Um, so in, 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 it's an interesting point you make, Nick, in terms of changing things due to the cattle that you have. That's generally what good coaches do. Um, not to, I, I haven't been able to watch as much film as I would have liked, but do you think there needs to be a change of tack before we get these guys back in Alan Crabb, Spencer Dimwitty, and Carol Savert? You know, the, the zone defense is working, um, and in terms of creating offense in, in, in easier ways and, you know, sort of changing things and, and not necessarily, you know, doing the same sort of off-ball screen, player movement, all this sort of stuff. Do you think we need to... Uh, grind things out and make things a little bit dirtier. It's a possibility. I think uh, it depends on how long you think Levert and Crab are going to be out. Like you said, we'll talk about that a little later. You know, the shooting is definitely something that's hurting right now. So maybe elect to try to move a little bit more in transition, get some easy buckets there, focus a little bit more on getting the extra pass and getting a great shot because you don't have elite shooters out there. I think, you know, tonight they did miss a lot of open shots. And some of that, too, is just like them missing shots and need to knock it down to at least keep the team honest, especially if they're going to crowd the paint. So some of it, I think, is actual talent on the floor. Like, no offense to the guys. Like, the Nets had a roll out a lineup tonight that was Theo Pinson, Mitch Creek, Musa, you know, Rodion's, and uh, Alan Williams. You know, that's literally all guys who played in the G League for the Nets. So, like, uh, it does have an impact there. But I think there's probably some smaller adjustments. And some of that's on the players, too. Like, you're 0 of 5 from 3. I know you're supposed to stay confident and keep shooting. But maybe take a hard drive to the rim and try to get some free throws. Yeah, and even to counter that, Nick, our starting lineup, you know, D'Angelo, Russell Shabazz, Napier, Rodion Sakuritz, Trevion Graham, and Jared Allen. I'm not saying that that's a horrible starting lineup, but if you're comparing that to the rest of the league and a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, you've got a rookie, you've got a backup guard in Shabazz Napier, you've got Trevion Graham, who's like, you know, a, a very young player, and you've got a second-year player in Jared Allen, and you've got a guy in his fourth year, 22 years old, D'Angelo Russell, who is probably the most ready. But even Jared Allen, you know, uh, despite the fact that we know he is a starter, he has struggled of late. And a lot of these other guys have been struggling too. So in terms of our starters, you know, uh, I think that a lot of the, the brunt of the criticism probably goes their way a, a lot of the time and, and probably deservedly so because sometimes we, we do rely on, on, the, on the backups and our reserves to get us in there, but no one could really do it tonight. And, you know, if you don't have any of your guys firing and you're not hitting any three balls and there's no just, uh, as you like to say, Nick and Kenny likes to say, he's sealing your, your vernacular a little bit, mate. He's listening I like to the it. Buzz. <laughs> he, he, there's no juice. And, and I mean, I think we need to get some juice and find it soon. Yeah, no, definitely no juice. And you brought up the starting lineup. And, and I'll be a little bit more objective, and I'll just say it's not good. Like, this is a not – this starting lineup they put out tonight is not good. 
you're not going to win many games with this. You're going to have to kind of get lucky, get hot from three or something. And you kind of mentioned how the bench usually helps the net so much. Now you're kind of have to take guys off the bench and put them in the starting lineup, like Trevion Graham, Shabazz Napier. You know, they're probably best as bench players. And now you have to start them. You know, you can make the case for Rodion's being a young guy, but he's probably a bench player. You know, Jared Allen and D'Angelo are the only guys, you know, 100% going to next season, going to this season. We knew we were going to be starters. And in terms of that, Nick, would you make a change, you know, if you were the coach in terms of, you know, shuffling the lineup a little bit, shuffling the deck, you know, Rondé's been a starter before. Damari Carroll has started quite consistently. Do those guys take minutes away from Rodion's and and Shabazz and Trevion? Do you think a change needs to be made? Does, like, you know, something drastic need to happen? Not that it's drastic because, you know, the, the minutes will probably still stay the same, but does there need to be a change or is it just, you know, just guys that just aren't doing what they, they're supposed to. I think it's probably just guys not really doing what they're supposed to and kind of having higher expectations and no one really stepping up. It's tough to say because part of me is just like, you know what, eat this stretch before All-Star break, then make your adjustments at the All-Star break, see which guys you're getting back. Is, you know, Levert back, is Crab back? We haven't really heard much about Dudley. It'll probably be a slow return. But I think you just kind of eat this. You make smaller adjustments as it kind of pro- progresses towards All-Star break and then see where you're at. Um, see, um, I mean, I've been watching probably not as much game as you so you're probably uh, a more learned in this aspect right now but to me you know i'll probably move a rodeons or a shabazz or a trevion to the bench and, and put in a damari cow um i just think that his chemistry with delo and i think he's steadying force with the starters in terms of getting off of, getting us off to good starts especially coming in um uh, coming up in a, in a really tough stretch where we have you know denver chicago toronto uh and then cleveland before the all-star break we need to get at least two or three wins out of that uh, to keep us, you know, at level pegging because, you know, just um, Washington's on, on the rise and Detroit had a good game tonight against Denver as well. So um, the Nets, are, for me, they need to do something, but um, that's just coming from my vantage point. I think if there was one guy I would put in the starting lineup, it would be Damari because he's obviously proven to be that steadying force. And I think Shabazz will be back to the bench. I think Joe probably is going to be fine for the next game, I hope, because like we talked about, they really need his three-point shooting. It maybe get a little bit more interesting with the second unit. I think Theo Pinson showed a little bit more tonight. Obviously, he didn't shoot great, but he did show some driving ability. And he has a little bit better – he does a little better job than Shabazz of actually running the second unit offense. And I think he was, in in terms of extended minutes, you know, plus one. Everyone else was, you know, minus um, in, in double digits. So, and in terms of 26 minutes, you know, 10 points, eight rebounds, a couple of assists, only a few turnovers. Um, you know, when I do watch some of the replays and stuff, I'm excited to see there because he has shown some stuff and, you know, he can hit the three ball. He was one of only a couple of players who actually hit one of them tonight. So um, I, I have really valued what Theo has brought. And, you know, and I think, yeah, you'd probably make a, a fair point in, in just bringing Joe in for, for a guy like Shabazz. But um, I think Rodion's form is somewhat worrisome. It's not, you know, um, you know, throw the change everything and, and, you know, throw the clipboard at the wall. But, I would probably just put a Damari in for him, take Rodion's to the bench and, you know, change things as they go because I think Damari is is quite understanding and, you know, I think he can sort of show that sort of steadying hand that is probably needed with the starters, at least at this stage. Coming up against Denver, maybe more of these sort of hard and ready teams, we need to just make some changes and sort of, rather than going with the consistent same, same, same lineup, you know, mate, just go game by game. You know, we know Nick Nurse has liked to do that throughout the season. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily hate it either, but at the end of the day, um, like you sort of said, Nick, I think the guys are just got to execute. 
Yeah, we'll see what happens. Obviously, Denver's a big matchup, and you kind of want to you know, have a strong starting lineup. But going back to Rodion's, do you think he's kind of hitting that slump, that rookie wall? Oh, yeah, he said it. Um, the coaches have said it. He's sort of you know, iterated with the fact that because he doesn't um, – he, he's barely played basketball over the past you know, year and a half or so with Barcelona and such. So, I mean, he's going to hit it. Um, and, and I think how he gets out of that, this is going to be you know, a, a real litmus test for where his career goes from here. I'm not uh, – it might sound a little bit hyperbolic, but how you sort of work through those sort of struggles. You know, uh, We've seen Donovan Mitchell go through it. We've seen all these guys go through it. Um, and it's going to be how he can sort of get through it. You know, Jared Allen has gone through it as well. Um, it's going to be how the coaching staff and he can sort of work their way through these struggles that will sort of determine how he goes from here. You know, does he continue to start? Does he makes? Does he continue to make some shots? Obviously, we know he provides great energy, but he just needs to be a little bit smarter. And, you know, I think the, the key word of this this podcast is just execute and, and be, you know, be just more more sound with the ball in his hands and even with the ball not in his hands. Yeah, I agree. I think there's obviously some areas to improve. Hopefully the veterans can kind of help him, kind of steady him through that rough patch and obviously getting guys back. His minutes should go down. He'll be able to play in a smaller role, which is more ideal, I think, for a rookie. And I think, you know, we we forget, and I know a lot of probably listeners might hate me for this, but Jared Dudley was a very serviceable starter. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, in terms of Rodion's probably took his minutes and at the right time, and, and we really praise Coach Kenny for that. But at a stage like this, this is where you go, all right, well, Duds, this is where you sort of step up for a little bit, give us five to ten games, hit a few threes, do your old man game. You know, Rodion's will probably get some more juice off the bench um, where he's sort of been a real spark. He just seems like a perfect sort of six man for the situation right now in terms of what we need. So uh, I'm, I'm advocating for a lot of changes. I don't really uh, necessarily care. Um, you know, I, I, I have full faith in Kenny and the coaching staff, but... Um, it, it would help, obviously, to have our full cattle uh, at the ready. Yeah, and I think even not even the full cattle, just like a couple of these guys not all being hurt that play similar positions and things like that. I agree. I think Dudley would be a guy that's kind of underrated so far by Nets fans just for the smaller things he does on the floor and gives them the extra spacing. You know, he's not an elite three-point shooter. You know, he's had a good percentage for his career, but this year hasn't been amazing. But it's just some of the smaller things with setting screens, doing that old man game like you talked about, driving to the rim, just keeping the defense honest. Yeah, and he's sort of, you know, in certain video that's been broken down, you know, he'll he'll push guys into the right positioning. You know, he's a, yeah. a, a real vocal leader out there, you know, not just in social media, but he's like, you know, with Spencer Dinwiddie, absolute must-follows uh, in terms of Nets Twitter. But um, obviously, this is a tough stretch, Nick. We went through it early in the season. Um, obviously, it's going to be a bit, and, you know, the, the All-Star break probably can't come soon enough, but you still need to get... Uh, Get some get some momentum heading into that break because you know we've got a lot of performers there as well. So it's not like we're going to have you know the, the games off and, and get massive rest out there because we have quite a few performers there. Yeah, no, agreed. It's almost like you kind of wish that some of the guys weren't going so they could get a rest. You know, like a guy like Joe Harris being banged up, Rodion's hitting the rookie wall, D'Angelo having to pick up his workload. It's almost like a curse <laughs> that they were selected, but obviously we're not going to complain. Haven't seen that happen for the Nets in a while. But, Jack, we did get good news today. You know, we got the video from the Nets out there. We saw Karis LeVert practicing. He looked like he was going through intense workouts. A couple minutes later, Woj dropped the tweet. He'll be practicing five-on-five. Five. The Nets said uh, he's going to be with the G League team on Tuesday. How surprised were you that a Woj bomb was drum- dropped in relation to the Brooklyn Nets? Because we know things like to be sort of kept in-house when we were talking about the, the Spencer Dimity news. We sort of put two and two together. The fact that Coron Butler, it was Coron Butler or Baron Davis. 
Was it Cron Butler? No, it was Cron Butler. Cron Butler. Cron Butler. Sorry, I was about the first time. Um, obviously, being a former teammate of Spencer Dinwiddie, you put two and two together. But Woj normally has these sources and stuff. So it, it was interesting to see the fact that, you know, and, and obviously it was very positive news to wake up to for myself. You know, obviously there's all the AD news and stuff. But to see that, that was probably uh, the perfect pick-me-up in the morning. So uh, he looked great in that video. For those that haven't seen it, you know, the Brooklyn Brigade, it's on Instagram, it's on, it's on Twitter, it's everywhere. Um, and he looks slick. He looks confident. Love the shaved head. Um, I think he just looks ready. And in, in terms of his comeback, I guess we can chat more about it, Nick. Um, it, do you... I think we'll make a prediction and then maybe talk about what we can expect for when he comes back. Do you think he comes back before the All-Star break? Yeah, I think they get him in one game before the All-Star break at least. I don't even if it's, you know, against Toronto, they only play him a couple minutes and they don't play him against Cleveland or maybe they play him a couple minutes against Cleveland and then give him a week to kind of evaluate what's going on. I think they wouldn't leak that, like you said. They don't really leak things. The only reason I wasn't surprised about Woj is cuz he's kind of hinted at LeVert coming back a little earlier than expected. So I think we do see him one time at least before All-Star break. What about you? I know you're a little yeah. more pessimistic. <laughs> I am, but I think the fact that you mentioned, you know, he'll be featuring in the G League. We saw Trevion Graham do that early in the season, as we talked about, uh, off wax. So, I mean, I, I think Cleveland would be a pretty sort of ready-made sort of place to sort of go, look, he's an ease in for you. Not saying that Cleveland, obviously, are terrible. They are, but, um, <laughs> you know, you'd rather sort of, rather than throwing him against the Wolves and against a guy like OG Ananobi and, you know, Kawhi Leonard and these sort of guys, ease him in against guys like Alec Burks and, and Chetty Osman and see what he can do off the bench. Uh, I think that uh, for me, that would be the ideal scenario. Then he's got, you know, another eight days in between games. He can stay in Brooklyn, you know, rehab, talk to the coaches, do whatever he's got to do. Uh, so, I mean, that would be my preference. But again, you know, if, if he does like what you said, you know, plays a game against Toronto, has the game off and then sort of reassesses from there, I wouldn't hate that either. Um, I doubt. Is there any chance we see him against Chicago on Friday? Ah, that's tough. I think it's such a serious injury where, you know, they're going to kind of want to evaluate him for a couple days after an intense practice. Well, we really don't know what he's been doing, but I would assume he's going to practice a little harder with the G League team for the next couple days, and they probably want to see how that ankle or foot, you know, reacts. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, it'd be lovely to be over there and watching those sort of practices. Um, we did see, you know, D'Angelo Russell and um, Coach Kenny at one of the G League games, watching our boy Jana Musa at the same time. Um, so it, obviously, it's going to be fascinating to see. In terms of his role, Nick, um, can we sort of uh, hark back to last season uh, when he came back around the All-Star break himself with Ron Holtz-Jefferson as a sort of uh, means uh, to, to what we could probably expect going forward? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, his role. I think, like we said, it's such a serious injury. We don't know how long it's going to kind of take him to get back into his groove. You know, it could take weeks. And you mentioned D'Angelo coming back last year, too. Uh, it's really hard to gauge. I would think probably by the end of March we'll have a better idea where he's at because I don't think there's a 100% guarantee he's going to get to 100%, you know, to the level he was at the beginning of the season. There's a chance he could, but I think it's not, a, you know, a guarantee to happen. So I think he could end up coming off the bench the rest of the year. If he were to get back to his form, I think he'd pop back in the starting lineup and you'd probably see, you know, D'Angelo Russell, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, and then whoever they play at the floor and Jared Allen. I'm, I'm salivating at that prospect just thinking about it, Nick. I mean, I can't imagine how, how you're doing right now, but it, I mean, it's exciting just to think about and just to have him there. It, it, it's such a it's such a boost for everyone. Obviously, he's he's so loved. Um, he's such a tremendous story in terms of all the the hardships that he's gone through in general. 
Um, in terms of like uh, uh, even making another comparison, not just to himself, but we saw D'Angelo Russell go through that serious knee injury himself and, and finding his way back was a little bit trickier in terms of like the role. And he did find some form uh, later in the season. So maybe, you know, we could see Karras in, in a similar sort of vein. But um, I think just his presence is going to do uh, absolute wonders for him and the team. Uh, for the rest of the season, I think, you know, even, you know, 15 minutes of Karis Levert over 15 minutes of, you know, Ed Davis, or not Ed Davis, um, like Ronda Hollis, Jefferson, and, and these sort of guys who don't even have that offensive burst. It's just going to be, uh, it's just going to add so much. Yeah, it's a huge boost. Like we said, even if it's 15 minutes, like not only offensively, but defensively, I think we forget too. He's very active. He had a lot of deflections this year, did a great job defending the other team's best player. And I think he might be able to come back a little easier than D'Angelo because his game, I think, isn't as rhythm-based because he can get to the paint so much. Obviously, we got to see if he can still do that this season, coming back from the injury. And, you know, sometimes you don't want to trust your body, especially going in, inside after, you know, having an awkward fall like that. Yeah, those are going to be key stretches, and we'll probably be watching for in his in his debut uh, back from that injury. You know, yeah, I'll be like covering of... my eyes like it's a horror movie if he goes. Up I, mean, it, I mean, it's like you know everyone with Gordon Hayward and Paul George and such. Obviously, um, they're two different stories, and, and their trajectories have been slightly different over the past sort of year or so. But um, before we get out of this one, Nick, I wanted to ask because I, I know a lot of fans have been sort of talking about Jalen Musa on on, on Nets Twitter. Um, what do you see his role in terms of, with these guys out, do you see an extended role from him? Obviously, only eight minutes tonight, but, you know, um, from what I've heard in terms of we were chatting, he did some nice things. Do you think that he deserves a few more minutes? I know some, um, you know, pundits and, and NBA fans and Nets fans have have advocated for that. Yeah, I think it's a possibility. I think he gives and that's a possible creator. We haven't seen enough of him at the NBA level to know what he can do, but it looks like he can get in the paint, use a pick and roll right, and give the Nets some offense, possibly. Yeah, I mean, and that's what we need more than any other. So that's just the only sort of reason why I brought it up in terms of just like, you know, throwing in terms of when Ron Rodion's, sorry, not Ron, they Rodion's was thrown into the woods and, you know, we just saw this, you know, unexpected burst from him and you know, Jalan hasn't had anything but junk time minutes in his NBA career yet. So maybe with this sort of, you know, um, dipping his feet in the water just before the All-Star break could be a good time. Um, it wouldn't be the worst decision. Yeah, and it'd probably be honestly better in terms of long-term development of giving him minutes over some of the G League guys that aren't going to probably be around next season or the following season. I think the one thing with Moose that probably scares the Nets is his body isn't NBA ready. You know, he just doesn't necessarily have the size. I know he talked about gaining a lot of weight, but still, he still needs to put on more weight. And I think I think the difference between him and Rodion's is Rodion's game, he can get like energy, just shoot, cut to the rim, where I think Moose's game has the ball in his hands a little bit more, and he has to have a better feel of the actual NBA. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, obviously, I was going to probably counter you with the, the fact that Rodion's body, we saw it in person. It's not necessarily, <laughs> uh, he's not a specimen, but he'll get there. Our boy's going to get there. He's going to look good. He'll, he'll be a chiseled Latvian god soon enough, but um, in terms of, yeah, I, I, in terms of their games and, and how they can sort of, you know, make impacts on the floor, you know, it's they, they have very different game despite the fact that they're both, you know, European prospects. Um, they're very different players, but um, I'll be I'll be watching that. That'll be one thing to watch going forward, but um, Nick, uh, obviously it's a bit of a despondent sort of pod and spinner, uh, it's been losses, but um, are you hopeful going forward before the All-Star break or um, has my sort of, you know, general pessimism and outlook sort of had an effect on you? Yeah, you know, honestly, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, 
Cynthia walked in, my fiance, when I was watching the game and she saw the score that the Nets got killed. And she's like, sorry. And I'm like, honestly, I don't care because, like, the Nets are so banged up right now. It wouldn't be realistic to expect them to beat some of these teams. Like, if you look at it, they're missing two of their top three players in Levert and Dinwiddie. You know, they still have D'Angelo. And then you could make an argument that maybe Joe is top four, top five on the team. He's out as well. So I'm not getting too down long as they can get healthy. And I got positive news about Levert and, you know, Crab also possibly coming back. He'll be practicing, I think, with the G League team on Tuesday as well. So getting guys like that back and we can get fully healthy going to this final stretch and allow this team to really get some experience like you kind of talked about it just having the fact of thinking about Levert in the starting lineup going to the playoffs with a fully healthy squad of Levert, Dinwiddie and D'Lo is very exciting it is it is and obviously we've got to make it first and the Hornets Heat, Pistons and Wizards are all around that sort of mark and are probably coming soon enough um, but a level-headed team fan Nicholas it feels very strange obviously we have to try and remain level-headed as because we have this uh, platform here, but uh, it's good to hear, mate. It's good to hear. Yeah. Jack, I know we'll probably talk a little bit more on Wednesday, but any thoughts on the trade front? Um, I, I mean, there have been minor rumblings, Nick. I know a lot of um, the, the the big wave on, on Nets, Twitter and, and social media in general is get a four, get a four, get a four. Um, I've seen that I like think, 60 times like over the last 24 hours. I mean, it's um, it's been there quite a bit, um, but at the same time, you know, We've got guys in reserve. Uh, so I, I think, like you sort of said, you know, that should give fans some solace going forward because, you know, you have three rotation players out right now in Dudley, Crab, and even tonight, four with Joe Harris. There are going to be injuries along the way, but, you know, we've prided ourselves on our depth in the past. And once we get that back, you know, we should get back to our winning ways. But uh, if, if obviously, you know, uh, the Nets... And Sean Marks has always been, you know, in terms of when teams and, and shams and woes are sort of talking about, you know, who's in the market. Uh, Sean Marks is making those calls. We're going to try and make our team better in any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it's just at the same time, this whole thing is just looming over the whole Anthony Davis and that Chris Stapps move. Uh, it's always the big moves. And then you sort of see the littler moves going forward and those trickle effects from it. Yeah, if Anthony Davis was moved, I think it would benefit the Nets because you'd see more movement. And then the Pelicans guys, depending on the direction they were going, would probably become available and at a cheaper price because they would just kind of look to clean house. Obviously, the four is the position like you mentioned on Nets Twitter and, you know, listen to the recent pods. The Nets aren't going to make a big move, but they might make a smaller move to get someone at that four. And we brought up names before like Miritich, Jermichael Green, uh, Bobby Portis, Noah Vonley. I know some Nets fans have talked to Julius Randle, but I don't think the fit is great. But I would not be surprised if they made a smaller move, maybe just trading that Nick second round pick. Yeah, I mean, we've got essentially two late first rounders in that Knicks pick and the Denver pick. So in terms of, you know, the weak draft and such, and if you want to get a guy who's, you know, I would love um, Torian Prince on this squad. I know you spoke about him uh, with Corey on the NBA Outlet. Great show. Um, that one, by the way, mate. And Appreciate make sure you, all, everyone subscribe to that one as well as this on iTunes. But uh, I, I would absolutely love a guy like him. And, you know, if the Atlanta Hawks are looking to sell off assets, you know, he fits the timeline perfectly. And to me, just screens, you know, young Damari Carroll. And, you know, it, it just it just makes me um, very excited just thinking about it. But, yeah, anyone who can add some depth to this team, be it a wing or just, you know, just another guy out there. You know, you've mentioned Dwayne Dedman as well. Just any guys that can help benefit this team, add depth, you know, add, you know, just NBA-ready level uh, talent um, that would be perfect. 
Exactly. Just anything getting and just a little bit of upgrade, nothing crazy that doesn't really dig into the treasure chest. So, you know, if you guys have any thoughts, questions, trade-wise, be sure to send it to us on Twitter at OTG Nick or the J-Man JBT. Also, you can throw it at OTG Basketball. You know, we'll definitely be talking a little bit more trade on Wednesday. Always a pleasure, Jack. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Check us out, iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.